Yo, what up podcast? On today's episode, I dive into a couple questions about gardening, um, everything from my origins and how I started gardening into what seeds to start now, some challenging parts of growing tomatoes, um, as well as some tricks and tips uh, to get you started for this gardening season. So hope you enjoy, and if you have any questions, uh, feel free to call into the station or hit me up on any social channels at gardening, the number four gains. Yo, what up everybody? It's Danny Neth with the Mind Body Garden Podcast and welcome back to another episode. Uh, it's shaping up to be a beautiful Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. Uh, looks like we got blue skies out the windows here and a uh, little bit of frost sitting on the plants, um, not on the plants, uh, sitting on the grass right now uh, as I looked out and thank God I covered the plants last night. Um, we weren't, we didn't have a frost advisory or anything. We had a low of 36 uh, is what the Weather Channel told us. But uh, I was actually up at my parents uh, yesterday um, dropping some stuff off for them that got sent to my house um, from Amazon and then uh, going to golf, golf league with my dad, quarantine golf league. <laughs> and um, but when I was there, I noticed that they had a frost advisory and, you know, the line, the line between zone 6A and 6B is like literally just a couple blocks north of my house, I believe. Um, so it's really close, you know, as far as like where our, um, you know, our two cities is kind of like the breaking point, the distinction between, are you going to get snow or are you going to get rain or are you going to get rain or are you going to get sun? So, um, so it's kind of like a weird little area that we're in, um, just because we're at like the, the Northern peak of, um, or not, not really peak, but yeah, I guess kind of peak of the uh, Miami Valley. So, so that might be causing some of those interesting weather patterns. But, but either way, um, you know, I think that we should be, you know, knock on wood. I think that we should be good to go as far as planting stuff out uh, here in Ohio, Zone Six. Um, typically, Mother's Day is like our last frost date. Uh, but Mother's Day came early this year. Normally, I think it's like five fifteen, you know, May fifteenth. So, what what was this Sunday, the tenth, or something like that? So. So it came early, so hopefully you didn't plant your plants out yet. Um, or if you did, you're able to cover them up with frost blanket like I did. Um, and I'll be going out to uncover those here soon. But but as we're getting into uh, actually being able to plant stuff out, thank God. <laughs> this has been like the craziest spring fever ever. You know, not only are we waiting for the weather to break, but we've got like quarantine and, you know, just all this crap going on in the world. So, um, so it'll be great to get out in the garden and just kind of like let some of that anxiety burn off in the sun and uh, just kind of dissipate in the garden, you know. So I think that that's, uh, that's something that I'm really looking forward to having something else to do other than just like working out, riding my bike and working. So, um, so today I wanted to go through a couple questions that I thought might help, uh, with anybody starting a garden, kind of give a little bit of background, uh, from me as well. And, um, and then I think that what I'll do, you know, moving forward, continue with question, a mixture of like questions and just like ranting sessions with my podcast. So, so if there's certain things you want me to rant on, or you have questions about the garden, uh, or, anything, you know, just let me know and I'll be happy to throw that in. But, um, let me get some coffee and then we'll get started here. All right. So I'll kind of start with some of those more basic questions, you know, kind of going into background origin story. Um, because I think that some of the, like some of that is, is important and kind of helps to see like where you're coming from and, um, you know, why you're seeking the knowledge that you're seeking, I think, um, ultimately. So, 
Uh, when did I first start gardening? This is kind of like an interesting one because I feel like I feel like we have always gardened. Like my mom started a garden uh, at our old house. Like we, I remember having these little raised beds and having uh, the seed packets like sticking out of the ground. My grandparents had um, always had a garden. I believe my my nana, my great grandma did as well. Like I just always remember smelling the tomato plants i don't know like when i whenever i would mow there or just like hang out i know that she had a garden she had to have um but either way i think that it's like kind of been in my blood you know it's not something that we had done um you know a ton of i guess when i was little but but at the same time you know in talking like with my grandparents you know my grandpa had this huge garden and he used to sell like uh, a bunch of like sweet corn and watermelons and stuff like that and then um on my other side, my my mammal, um, may her soul rest in peace, um, used to, you know, they, they lived in Tennessee when she was growing up. So they had like, I believe like an acre or two acres of, I think they had two acres that they were growing on. So one of those acres was dedicated to growing cotton, um, which they took to market, or, you know, took into town and sold for a dollar a pound. Um, and they couldn't come home until they sold all that. But beyond that, then they had another acre of garden and maybe it was half acre, half acre. I'm not really sure. I can't remember. Um, but either way, that's where they grew a lot of their food. So they had a lot of potatoes, um, uh, beans, you know, just stuff that's going to really sustain you and hold for a while. You know, they were actually growing to feed themselves, not just to, not just as a hobby or whatever, you know, they, they grew up in rural Tennessee um, you know, deep South Tennessee. So, uh, definitely a whole different lifestyle and, and where they actually did have to depend on, um, producing something to, you know, to have more food, um, to put in their pantry. So it's kind of an interesting way that, uh, it's kind of woven into our, you know, the fabric of like our DNA of, of who we are, you know, as a human species, I think that we're just, we're drawn to, drawn to growing plants. We're drawn to, um, kind of sustaining this natural life or just building this self self-sustaining life um where you know plants help us and we are also helping them uh, along their journey to you know to harvest for our sustenance so it, it's kind of like the circle of life with that you know we tend the garden and it tends to us um but so as far as like where i started gardening you know that that's kind of maybe the the deep origins of it and maybe even some subconscious ones that i'm not <laughs> i wasn't aware of until i kind of started talking to my family about it but really my gardening um i don't know i guess my gardening journey kind of started when i started at am leonard um i'd always been inter interested in like growing plants and gardening um you know and i think really like the legalization of cannabis kind of sped that up because you see these people that are making millions of dollars um, and obviously like those markets stabilize and that it, it's not the gold rush it's like promised to be but but it's very interesting to kind of see how those markets develop and um and just like you know i guess there's just so much potential with something that we see is like old school you know you think of agriculture and you think like oh that's not, not technology so who cares or um i don't know it's just kind of put on like an anti pedestal of, you know, farming is bad. You're not going to make money farming. And I think that's what we've all, all been kind of like told all of our lives. And, you know, it's so hard and, um, you know, probably 1% of the population does farming. 
but I think that um, it, it's the type of farming that we're doing and we're you know doing it for more commodity uh, commodity ag and things like that and it's more about the system kind of being broken a little bit and um, and what is rewarded for the growers so um, either way a little bit of a tangent but but in my eyes I think that there's a lot of because there's so little technology in agriculture and horticulture there's a lot of uh, opportunity for like assimilation and just just a revolution of boom and technology being used so you know it's uh, it's gonna be a slow adoption but uh, but I think that you know that's kind of part of me getting into gardening too is like being able to get in with that wave or maybe even help influence that wave of technology um, so, but, but I started gardening, not for that. That's kind of been something that's evolved out of it, but I started just to kind of learn more about, um, you know, I was a salesman at AM Leonard, a horticultural tool and supply company. So I was trying to learn more about my grower customers. You know, I knew a lot about landscapers just with working at the city of Sydney. Um, everybody does landscaping work all the time. It's just, it's just hard work. And, you know, I didn't do a lot of like the technicalities and stuff, but, but those are the things you can easily conversate with people about and learn. Um, with growers, I feel like people are a little bit, they're a little bit less uh, forgiving of like you not knowing things. They need someone who's going to be like a trusted partner. So that's where I tr really tried to learn um, and learn their struggles because you, you you just can't bullshit somebody on something you don't know about. So I think that was the biggest key for me. And then, you know, once I can say, oh yeah, I'm growing this garden in my backyard, you know, that, that little, you know, even just talking about broccoli and then finding out, you know, one of my one of my growers uh, has his own, you know, large garden in, in addition to his 20 acre nursery. So it was a really good bonding point, um, kind of helped unlocked, unlock some business that I didn't think I was going to get. And, um, but the ultimate thing was just to learn. And, you know, now that I'm down in the rabbit hole deep, that's all I'm doing. All I'm focusing on, focusing on or focused on is learning and just Getting, gaining as much knowledge as I can to, you know, expand my garden, uh, the Garden of Gains, and just my knowledge base, and just, you know, just do everything I can to kind of um, advance myself in, in this field in, in whatever way I can. So, obviously, I want to be a grower, so getting all that knowledge about how to grow, how to garden, um, fertilizers, and, you know, just all those little tips and tricks is kind of the bit, you know, the real the real thing that um, is going to help advance it. So, so it kind of like started off as uh, I needed to help myself sell more product at work, but it ended up turning into a full blown obsession. So, um, so I guess I kind of answered two questions there. When did I first start gardening, and why did I start gardening? So, so that was number one and two, um, and then you know, to kind of transition into something a little bit more relevant and something that's going to help you with your gardening this season. Um, a big question that's out there is what seeds should you, should you start now? So if you're in zone six, like me, um, your final frost, you know, you've, fi you've had your final frost. So now's the time you can really get, start getting those seeds planted and almost anything can be direct sown. Uh, a lot of people don't recommend it for like stuff like tomatoes or peppers because they do take a little bit of time to establish. You know, you might get um, squirrels eating them, things like that. I've definitely had that happen with my seed potatoes and my anything they can dig up, they will. So, um, so that's been kind of an issue, but you know, early May, a couple, you know, going down the list, some things you can def, you can start right now that 
are easy to plug in the ground and will get going quick. Uh, beans, green beans, cucumbers, um, sweet peas, although it might be getting a little bit too hot by the time they harvest. So keep in mind of like the distinction between cold weather crops and um, just cold weather crops. So maybe not snow peas, but maybe something more like snap peas might be better for the summer. Um, outside of that, you can obviously plant lettuce, you can plant carrots, you can plant spinach. Any of those leafy greens will establish very quickly. Um, but, but basically right now you want to look this, the ones that have the bigger seeds are the things that you'll be planting. So to keep it really basic, we'll go with beans, we'll go cucumbers, um, sweet corn and corn. Now's a great time to get that planted in the ground. And, um, and then your other things like squash, zucchini, watermelon, uh, cantaloupes, pumpkins. Now's a great time to get those started. And those are typically plants that you aren't going to start in a seed tray just because the seeds are huge. They germinate in a couple days and, you know, within a week you've got a plant that's, you know, four to six inches tall, maybe not that quite that tall, but, but they'll get out of hand quick. And there's really no reason to get them started ahead of time. Like with tomatoes or peppers, you know, they might take a week to germinate seven to 10 days. And then, you know, this little, seedling that's you know a little pipsqueak you've got to nurse that thing up until it's nice and thick um, and then that's really going to help it establish it establish itself and have a successful growing season um, you know giving it a head start and making sure that it has time to grow um, from seed to actually flower and harvest all in one season so getting them started early is going to ensure you have an earlier harvest and a full season of harvest um, so really, I mean, yeah, those are kind of the basic, the basic things to start right now. You know, it's basically anything that you want to plant, you can get it going. Um, would recommend looking at how long it takes to get from, uh, from planting to harvest, make sure you're mindful of the cold weather crops and, um, and, and that's really the biggest things to, to focus on. So some other things that I wanted to talk about, um, you know, moving down the list, what is the number one most challenging part of growing tomatoes? So I, this is an interesting one for me because I like not to be cocky, but I don't feel like I have, I have many issues with growing tomatoes. Um, when I first began, I would say that my number one issue was uh, tomatoes having too wet of feet. So, you know, my gardens either held a lot of water, didn't have great drainage. So water puddled around the plants. So when that happened, um, it introduced a lot of disease, fungal pathogen, you know, fungus and pathogens. Um, and, and then, you know, with that, you're also, you also got to think about with sitting water, you have insects, you have bugs. Um, so there's a lot of issues that can arise from that. So to me, I, th I think that finding the right culture, the right um, environment for your plants is probably one of the biggest things, most challenging things for tomatoes. Um, especially because, you know, these fungal diseases, they, these funguses and disease, they live in the soil. So, um, that's kind of a big reason why I grow in root pouches is so that I can put new soil in there. Um, the roots are not growing into the ground. They're only growing in that pot. So, you know, it's fresh, sterile soil. Um, whereas the soil, you know, in the ground, you know, it's going to have leftovers from tomatoes that I planted a couple of years ago. Um, you know, fung fungal pathogens don't necessarily, they could go away, but 
Um, and I'm trying to think, I, I want to say it's Versillum wilt, I think is the one that st kind of stays in, in the soil for a while. And, you know, sometimes that's inevitable. You can't avoid it, but, and, and your plants are still going to produce well through the season. But I would think, I would say that's, that's a very challenging part just because it's very difficult to control it. Um, some of the things that you can do to control that would be to inoc inoculate your plant with mycorrhizal, um, fungi which I always talk about mycorrhizae. It's a fungus that forms a beneficial relationship with plants' roots. So, um, you know, basically it comes in a powder. When you get your seedlings, you will dip it in a powder or maybe a slurry, like a, a mixture that you've made, and then you'll transplant it. So what happens is when the fungal spores um, touch the plant's roots, they colonize around the roots and inside of the roots forming a symbiotic relationship where the plant is offering the, uh, the fungus carbs, lipids, um, you know, sugars. And in exchange for that, the fungus is actually uh, unlocking nutrients that are tied up in the soil, helping to provide more, uh, more water, you know, basically drought management, drought resistance. And then it also will help pr protect against pathogens in the soil. So essentially you're creating like a shield around the roots and there's m much more than that you can do than, um, just mycorrhizae. Another beneficial fungus is uh, trichoderma. And that one really does have much more of a, uh, antibacterial, antifungal, um, property so you know things like root shield and think uh is a product you know that contains trichoderma and and basically it is going to form a shield around the roots so so that's that's a that's a big tip um other than that you know as far as you know number one most challenging thing for growing tomatoes is knowing what kind of tomatoes you have i think there's a couple common misconceptions out there where people think i have a tomato i need a tomato cage and that's really not true. Let's just say 50% of the time. It depends on the tomato that you get. So is your tomato a determinate plant or is your tomato an indeterminate plant? If it's determinate, that means it's growing to a determined size. Typically those are between three to five feet in height. Um, some of those varieties would be like Roma. So it's going to grow, flower, you got all your fruit, it's done. Then you've got indeterminate on the other, on the other side, um, your beefsteak tomatoes, your um, there's a ton of them. So basically these tomatoes can grow anywhere from six feet to 30 feet. Um, you know, in some of these commercial greenhouses, they've got them growing 30 to 60 feet, I believe. And, uh, and it's just like the method that they're using, but that just shows you how much production you can actually get out of a tomato plant. So um, the difference with the determinate plants or indeterminate plants is they don't, they have an indeterminate growth habit. So, um, with Roma tomatoes, you're just going to leave those things alone. You're not going to prune them. You're not going to do anything. Um, you might, you would put a cage around those things because it's going to bush out. With determinate tomatoes, those are the ones you're going to want to vine and grow upward. So that's going to involve a lot of pruning of the lower third of the leaves. You're going to remove the lower third all the time. Um, you know, typically, and, uh, you know, and it'll start dying as it grows anyways. And then you'll remove the suckers that are coming, um, that grow in between a branch and the main stem. So there's these little shoots that grow out and you think that it'll produce another head. It'll produce more fruit. 
but that's not the case. It's really just going to drain energy from the plant. So knowing that you have to stake indeterminate tomato plants to a bamboo or fiberglass stake or wood stake, um, and then knowing also that you have to do the pruning and those extra little details, those are the things that are going to make you super successful. Um, and, and, and I think that those are the number one most challenging part of growing tomatoes just because it is a very um, time-consuming process. You think that you're hurting the plant, but you're not. So, so it's a little bit of a learning curve, but, um, but you, will, uh, you will be very thankful that you did it in the end. So going down the list here, uh, the last question on the list here is unusual. What are some unusual gardening tips or tricks? Um, and I think this is an interesting one because I think that I, I keep things very basic. So to me, like an interesting tip or trick is to make sure that your plants have water every day, make sure that they, um, are not overly saturated, but also make sure that the soil isn't too dry. So what you want to do is like stick your finger in the ground or in the pots, uh, maybe up to just a little bit over your first, or maybe even up to your second knuckle. That'll give you a good, you know, inch, two inches into the soil just to kind of feel around. Um, and what you're doing there is to feel for the moisture levels. So if it feels moist, when you do that, your plants should be okay. Uh, on the flip side, if it doesn't, if it's dry, if it's very um, like crumbly kind of soil, you definitely want to get your plants watered and um, and you're going to see a lot less senescence or death on like the lower lower halves of the plants. So just like with, with the person, you know, you've got to make sure you're fed, you've got enough water, you've got enough sleep, and only then can you perform at your uh, at your tip top. So um, so that's kind of my my unusual gardening tips or tricks for, for you is just stick to the basics. There's nothing super unusual that you can do. Um, that's going to going to be, uh, some magical unlock. I would say the closest thing to a magical unlock is like the fact of using beneficial, uh, microbes such as mycorrhizae, trichoderma, uh, you know, azospirillum, you know, just all these beneficial bacteria and beneficial fungus. I think that those are the technologies that we don't see as technology, but but it's driving a lot of uh, a lot of innovation and and reducing your inputs. So these microbes are forming these relationships with the plants, plants roots. Um, you know, doing the work in the soil that you really need to be doing as a gardener, which is making sure the plant has enough water, um, helping the plant get some fertilizer and, uh, and keeping pathogens away. So, so those are the biggest things that you've got to do. And, and so I, I would say definitely take advantage of the beneficial microbes, um, that are out there. Mycorrhizae is a number, probably the number one thing I would recommend. But other than that, just keep your eyes in the garden and, uh, you know, act like you really care about it. <laughs> That's the easiest way to, to go about it. You know, when, when you're obsessed with your garden and you're walking through, um, you know, you're going to see pests uh, attacking your plants. You're going to see bugs flying around. So seeing those things and then taking action is really the biggest thing that you can do. I think that a lot of times people just want to sit back and think. Uh, but the easiest thing to do, google.com. You can ask any question you want, figure out the answer. Um, and if not, you can always ask me and I'll be happy to do a podcast on it. But that's it for today. Hope you have an awesome Wednesday and a great rest of the week. Uh, but thanks for listening in. And as always, I appreciate it.